I want to share something with you and I don't quite have the language developed yet so it's going to be a bit of an exploration but it's around our interdimensionality as human beings and how that's directly related to our capacity to truly love and have clarity and compassion. I've been working with groups of people since my early 30s and I think my big wake up was around people's capacity to, as we say, walk a mile in another person's shoes. Because people have so much of their own trauma, their own self-healing to do, recovery from guilt and shame and self-loathing, our trauma scores, all the things that we're having to navigate as human beings to varying degrees, it really takes up so much space that it can be challenging for us to have enough space to love in bigger ways. So as as I've been working with groups of people and seeing where people's edges are, why someone wasn't able to move into an anti-racist worldview for themselves, why someone wasn't able to feel compassion for another person who maybe was unconsciously causing harm, why somebody would go into a deeply judgmental place, but call it part of their spiritual tradition, why someone wasn't able to see how focusing on women in my work, what didn't mean it was against men. It's like this capacity thing where people are polarizing in the spectrum of left to right, right, wrong, up, down, that whole thing, um, sort of snapping between the poles and not able to find a medial ground where they could look both ways and consider more than one perspective at once. So I really started to wonder, like, is this a brain-heart situation? Have we actually not evolved the way that we need to for survival because we're not actually wired for loving enough? Is the heart field and the brain field not overlapped and woven enough? Is it that we're not conscious of how these heart and brain waves can work together to expand our capacity to see? Is it because we don't understand that we are interdimensional beings, meaning that we have a physical body, but we also have a field And that we talk about ourselves like we have a soul and an identity and a spirit, but we haven't really done the work to explore what that even means to have these sort of non-specific qualities of human beingness, but that we talk about all the time. Like, was this a problem of understanding, exposure, or how we see ourselves? Or... Is this literally a wiring problem? Like, we don't know how we live in here. 
and therefore we don't know how to operate this thing called human being. In particular, when I think about anti-racist work and I think about what, at least here in our community, we're asking people of European descent and white people, whether they identify as white people or not, but who are experiencing white privilege. We're asking people to become aware of how to do this work at a deeper level. And the first sort of 10 responses of seemingly awake people are almost patterned responses of defensiveness and misunderstanding. Those of us who are deep in the work know that we are many layers deep and haven't even gotten where we're going yet and have we're making the attempt to understand big concepts like how people say, well, how can I be responsible for what my ancestors did? And then me looking at the energy and the somatics that they ask that question, but like literally aren't wired to feel the feeling of being a part of a bigger story and their part in the story. It's like we're not actually capable of receiving the experience of what it means to consider being a part of what our ancestors did and being willing to be a node in the big constellation of reparation. It's like people can't quite hold it as a possibility to love in these big arcs that include other people's experience. And I say big arcs um, because right now we're often working in these generalizations, which I can find pretty challenging, like a generalization like white people, for example, or a generalization like indigenous lands it's like without the specificity of like this white person or this group or this land this specific land like when I talk about Sonoma Mountain being the tribal ancestral home of Coast Miwok it's very specific and so I'm able to like feel the feeling but then when it gets into the bigger arcs where there's generalizations. It's more challenging to feel intimate with a sort of sense of placeness. And yet there's also this call to move beyond the individual and into the collective to do the work. But at the same time, if the individual hasn't done the work to understand how they inhabit themselves, their capacity to care about something that isn't intimate and personal yet is challenged. I've started to take a look at what makes it possible for someone to have the bigger love feeling, like the people that I know who have it, what happened for them that they developed a bigger capacity? 
than your average person. And it's different things when I look across at the rather kind of small group of people that I know who care big, who have compassion beyond their own lives. It's all for different reasons. It isn't one particular thing. Like for one person, it's their medical background and the kinds of people that we that they worked with. For another person, it's the degree of trauma that they experienced. For another person, it's the degree of love that they experienced. For another person, it's the safety they've been able to live inside of and not experience tons of trauma, therefore have a whole bunch of love, right? So the the big feeling community peers that I'm thinking of, it's all different reasons, but it all comes to capacity, that they have had some experience where there was an expanded capacity of either love or pain and a kind of reconciliation and recovery inside of those which allowed them to have the bigger love feeling. I'm exploring this with you because I have this fear, which is on one side fear and the other side extreme passion. And it is that we must develop a greater capacity for loving, that this experience of a greater capacity for loving is not a concept you can read about. It's something you actually need to experience for yourself in relationship to others and ultimately in relationship to your own self-expression because you need to feel the feeling and to feel the feeling the heart and the brain and the body need to be connected and so one of the ways in intentional creativity that we bring the feeling is through our hands through creating, through painting through writing, through drawing through holding a red thread So this invitation to repair so that we can access a quantum loving space feels like one of the most important things I could possibly imagine. And when I ask my intellect, what can I do? The answer I get is just to talk about it with you and then to invite you into experiences where you can practice it for yourself and have your own ahas. My ahas can't be your ahas. I'm thinking of a story, a very personal story. My mother, Karen, when I was eight years old, fell in love with a beautiful black man named Robert Lee Grant. Now, interestingly enough, Robert was a different class than us. He spoke seven languages. He was a professor at college. He was a math expert. He worked in the Nixon administration. He was a Republican. Strangely enough, 
And my mom didn't even have a high school education. We entered into an experiment as a family, as a multiracial family. And unfortunately, Robert had the idea to move us into an extremely wealthy white neighborhood. And we practiced what he called at the time, and I think it's still called this, passing. The conversations that my mom and Robert and I had around the dinner table about what it would mean for us as a family to practice living in a white place really shaped my early life. Being able to engage at that level of conversations is one level of conversation is one of the reasons I have the capacity that I do to talk about these challenging topics. And at the same time, I still don't have the capacity I need to do the level of anti-racist work that I personally want to do. And I've had that experience. I also went to schools where I was one of the only white kids there and felt more comfortable there in the white neighborhood. In fact, I would end up commuting from Tiburon to San Francisco to, uh, this isn't, we're not supposed to say this now, but this is what we called it then to my ghetto school. That's what Robert called it, my ghetto school, because I felt more comfortable with that level of diversity than I did with the white people. I just couldn't get along. And so even with an experience in my early life of this level of diversity and conversation, my capacity isn't what it needs to be to do the work I want to do. And if it's not, if I'm not capable of it and I've had direct experience and a fervent desire and real relationships with real people and people of color and my capacity needs to continue to expand to include where we are now that's kind of how I know we're in trouble in some of the places that we're navigating this because I need to increase my capacity and that means likely you do too but how and it begins here through talking about it and telling stories, telling stories about our experiences. My mother left that marriage when I was 10 years old. And it's interesting because my mom and Robert both had a story that's so sad. And they used to call the white man Whitey. And again, I know this is these terms, y'all, these terms. But in the end, they both felt like Whitey won. I know exactly what they mean. And it's harsh. We feel like we tried something and we failed. And in the end, my mother would say to me that in that little family we created, that the bigger issue than race between the two of them, 
because they were in on dealing with the race part. It was a class thing. My mom and I didn't quite pass in the class that Robert was running in. He wanted us to measure up to some kind of standard. My mom was pretty sophisticated for a person who didn't have a college education. No one in my family did. Only one of us does now. But that peace between the two of them of race and class was what came between us. And even though we talked about it and even though we were transparent about it and even though we were in for it, we didn't get to the bigger love place. We didn't get there. I didn't get to say goodbye to him because my mom went on a business trip and I went to be with Sue and... By the time my mom came back from her business trip, we had already moved out of the house in Tiburon, and I didn't get to say goodbye, and I didn't know how to say goodbye. Many, many years later, in my 20s, I actually saw Robert at Glide Church, and I was able to give him a hug and thank him. for the experience and the education. And also the big love that we tried to have as a family inside of an oppressive system where we were set up to fail. And we did. But the story goes on. Now, I'm not saying I didn't have my problems with him because he was a largely Republican, capitalist, conservative, sexist man (laughs) trying to get ahead. He even wrote a book called The Star-Spangled Hustle. But I was also excited to be in on it with him and my mom. I'm remembering a moment where we're sitting in our little track house in Tiburon and the family's made the decision that I'm going to go back to the ghetto school in San Francisco. I'm going to actually commute with my mom who worked in the garment industry because she was a fashion designer. And he said, I'm going to teach you something. And it was called Hambone. And it was a song of his ancestors. And he put newspaper on the ground and he taught me how to move my hands and my feet hambone I can hear his voice hambone hambone where you been and so when I went to the school again I wanted 
to show them that I could be with them and be one of them. And so we did handbone together. It was a different time in a different place. It was a time when I was so grateful to be with black and Asian people, but also they were so grateful to be with me. And I'll always remember that feeling of acceptance shown to me and strive to create spaces and communities where we can experience one another in a big love place. Thanks for tuning in, for caring, and for being curious. I hope you'll consider joining me for our adventures. My mom always would say, on to the next great adventure. And the next great adventure that I'm truly interested in is expanding our capacity to love and of understanding ourselves as interdimensional, meaning multifaceted, mysterious, gorgeous creatures just ready for transformation. Much love.